told the church last Sunday, Brother Mays did such a phenomenal job of preaching to this church and um, really tapping in to the mind of God. And I mentioned at the end of the service that God had given me a message somewhat along those same lines. And um, I told you then you're going to be hearing the message. Well, today's the day. And um, I want to preach what I feel, but I really do feel this burning in my heart today. I really do feel it. Praise God. Matthew chapter 15 and um, verse number 21. Matthew 15, 21, familiar story, I think, to most of us. Matthew 15, 21, then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meat, or it's not fitting, it's not proper, to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Now, I'm not through reading, but I think in today's Snowflake society. If a pastor were to say that, probably have a church split. It may not be a split. They may just all leave. And, uh, but he said it. It's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Jesus looked at this woman and in verse 26 he says to her it's, it's just not right to take what belongs to the children and give it to dogs. And then he turns around and he says in verse 28 O woman great is thy faith. I think that's quite an interesting contrast within the matter of just a couple of verses here. The response that the Lord gives to her. But I want to talk to you. I want to take this 
this morning and kind of look at it from maybe a little different perspective. And I want to I want to preach to you with the help of the Lord today. Content with crumbs. Content with crumbs. I want us to put our Bibles down. I want us to pray. And as I said, let's pray for Sister Nelson and her family as we pray for the remainder of this service. But I don't want you to forget to pray for this service. I really believe, church, that God is wanting to speak to us this morning in a very special way. In the midst of all of our tiredness from the revelry yesterday, let us not lose sight of what God wants to do in this service today. I'm telling you, God could give us some Holy Ghost fireworks today if we'll really just tap into where the Spirit is right now. Let's pray together, everyone. Lord Jesus, I love you, God. I thank you, Master. Oh, God of heaven, I pray. Help me today, God. I can't do this. God, by my own abilities and talents. Lord, I have none. God, I could never reach the heart of man or woman. God, by my own words. But God, if you'll speak through me today, I know, God, that you can do it all. I just want to be your vessel, God. Lord, I just want you to flow through me to touch the hearts, the minds, the spirits. God, of this people that are gathered here today, let the will of the Holy Ghost be done. Let the mind of God be expressed. Oh, Lord, I pray today for Sister Nelson. I pray for her family. Give them peace and comfort, God. Give them strength and wisdom, Lord, in the days ahead. We thank you, oh, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can we praise the Lord one more time? Everybody. Let's praise him together for just a moment before we're seated. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Come on, let's push just a little bit harder this morning. Let's push just a little bit harder this morning. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. We need you in this house today. We need you in this house today. Oh, God. Oh, Master, we need the touch of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. God bless you, you may be seated. Amen, amen. It is, at least in my mind, an interesting thing to consider how many times when Jesus spoke of faith that he specifically addressed the amount of faith that a person or a group of people possessed. Many times as he dealt with the subject of faith, he didn't just use it uh, as a simple noun, but He quantified it as he dealt with it. It seems to me that that it is possible for a person to have varying degrees of faith. 
and the Lord seemed to stress that throughout his ministry. If you study, if you study the things that Jesus taught, there are things that he mentioned only a few times. There are other things that he mentioned many times. And, and then there are things that when he dealt with them, it seems that he would say things along the way that would give us bits and pieces of information and instruction concerning that subject. And so it is with faith. I want you to follow with me. We're going to go through these fairly quickly, Brother Goff. Uh, I, I, want you, I want you to follow with me as we touch on just a few of these examples where Jesus didn't just speak about faith. He talked about how much faith they had. Matthew chapter 6, he was addressing multitudes of disciples or followers. Matthew 6 verse 30, he said this. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? O ye of little faith. O ye of little faith. Amen. As he spoke to those that were worried about their daily provisions, he said, you've got little faith. Well, hallelujah. If you're going to worry about tomorrow then you don't really trust that God has got your life in control. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. Matthew chapter 8, verse 26. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Yeah, now, now look, you know, it's one thing. To just be worried about day-to-day uh, cares. But these, these, these folks are out in, in the sea in a small ship. And there's a storm out there. And which one of us wouldn't be afraid? Which one of us wouldn't be concerned? Look, I've been out on the sea in a big ship. Not a little fishing boat. You know, I've been out on those cruise ships and there's quite a difference between a cruise ship and a small fishing boat. And uh, it takes a lot for you to feel the waves on a cruise ship. But believe me, I have felt them. Uh, I'll never forget our very first time. Now, Brother Brad, don't, don't, you just plug your wife's ears up because we've been trying to talk her into going on one. So just don't even worry about it, Sister Charlene. It's... All this is just a nice story, all right, for everybody else. But, but, but our very first, very first cruise, we, were, we had left Seattle and we're headed up the coast of, of Alaska. We were going to go up to the northernmost point there and sail back down along the way. And we got out there and, and uh, wouldn't you know, there had been a typhoon out in, I think, in Japan. And, and the remnants of that typhoon were just coming up toward where we were. And, and I'm not exaggerating when I tell you, we were, we, we'd gotten up, my wife and I got up, it was a Sunday morning, and, and uh, uh, we got up to go have some breakfast, and we're sitting there in the, in the dining area, and all of a sudden we start hearing, crash, crash. And I could tell plates were flying off the shelves. The boat was rocking so bad. And uh, I, won't, I, won't, uh, I won't give you all the details, but I can tell you we could sit there and watch 
as that ship would just go like this and then back down and then back up and back down. Did I get sick? Yes. Yes. Yea, I say verily. <laughs> Praise God. But I cannot imagine what it'd be like to be in some small fishing boat and get caught in a storm like that. And yet Jesus said to them in that situation, he said, oh, ye of little faith. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 14, Jesus is speaking to Peter. And this is where, again, they're in a storm. And Peter has said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. And so here is Peter, and he steps out of the boat, and he's walking on the water, and then he starts to sink. And Jesus reaches out, read for me, read for me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, stretched forth his hand and caught him and saith, he said caught him, him and said to him, O thou of little thou. Now wait a minute. Here's a man that had enough faith to walk on water. Before you criticize Peter for sinking, how many steps have you taken on top of the waves? <laughs> and yet Jesus still said to Peter, you just got a little faith. You still just got a little faith, Peter. That's, that's all you got's a little, a little faith. Amen. Again, he addresses his disciples. Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 8. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought, brought no bread? Yeah, yeah. And see, this happened right after the multiplication of the loaves and fishes, which Lord willing, we'll talk about in a little while. They had just seen the Lord make provision for thousands. And now they're worried about how they're going to eat. This is human nature. It's human nature. I don't care what the Lord does for us. The next problem we have, we still struggle with whether he's going to do it again. Come on, let's be honest about it, church. Are you still out there this morning? Amen. So, so he looked at them and said, oh, ye of little faith. Amen. At one point, Jesus even made a worse condemnation of his disciples. Listen to what he said in Mark chapter 4 and verse 40. And he said unto them, why are ye so fearful? Why are fearful? ye so fearful? How is it, How that, is you it that you have no faith? No faith. You don't have any faith at all. Now, these are those that are walking with him. These are those that have seen the miracles. And yet, at this point in their life, they had no faith. They had no faith. Well, hallelujah. At one point, he looked at two blind men and let them know, you want to be healed? Well, it's dependent on one thing. It depends on the quantity of your faith. Matthew 9 and 29. Then touched he their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. Based on how much faith you've got, that's how much healing you're going to. Listen church, I'm trying to stress to you that Jesus really does measure the amount of faith. It's not enough to simply say I have faith because a measure of faith has been dealt to every man. 
We've all got some faith or we wouldn't be here today. But I want to tell you, Jesus is not just concerned with whether or not we've got some faith. He wants to know how much faith do we have? What is the quantity of your faith? Well, hallelujah. Stay with me here. Praise God. I'm going somewhere this morning. Praise God. Amen. Now, we, we, we've seen, he said, he, he said to his disciples at one point, you have no faith. And over and over, he looked at people and said, you have little faith. But do you understand what even little faith can accomplish? Do you really know what a little bit of faith can do? Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, uh-huh. verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard if seed. If you've got faith as a grain of mustard seed. You shall say unto this you mountain. You can say to the mountain. Remove hence to yonder remove place. Remove hence to yonder place. And it shall remove. And it will remove. And nothing shall and be impossible nothing unto you. nothing is impossible to you that have mustard seed faith. Oh, church, listen to me. I want to tell you something has got to happen in our hearts, in our minds, and in our spirits. We've got to shake off this old attitude of unbelief. Uh, we got to get past uh, the doubt that grips us. Uh, we got to get past uh, the questions uh, that plague our mind uh, and realize uh, just how powerful our God is uh, and just how much uh, he really wants to do for his people. He said, if I could just find faith like a grain of mustard seed I'll move the mountain out of your way you don't have to you don't you don't have to come up with huge look we think we got to have a mountain of faith to move a mustard seed that's the truth we think we got to build up a mountain of faith before God would move some mustard seed in our life. And he said just the opposite. If you could just get a little bit of faith. All I want is a little bit. If I could find just a little bit of faith. Amen. There's nothing that can stand in your way. There is no obstacle that God cannot remove. There is no problem that God cannot solve. Come on, Saint. I know we've got some situations here this morning. I know you've got problems, and I'm not making light of any of them, but I'm just here to tell you, God is so much bigger than your problem. God is so much greater than your worries. God is so much more powerful than the things that are weighing you down. Hallelujah. Now, when we, when we take all of this into consideration, Peter walks on water, starts sinking. Jesus said, you got a little faith. The disciples watched him multiply bread for multitudes. Then he looked at him and said, you just got a little faith. And at one point looked at him and said, you don't have any faith at all. And so when you think about that, Then what he said to the Syrophoenician suddenly takes on a whole different picture. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Read for me again, Brother Goff. Matthew 15, verse 28. 
Then Jesus, then answered, Jesus and her, answered and said unto her, O woman, oh woman great is listen, thy faith. he didn't say, woman, you don't have any faith. He didn't say, woman, you've got a little faith. He didn't say you've got acceptable faith. But he looked at somebody, amen, and for once, he said, you've got great faith. This is great faith. Oh, oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Look, you know, once in a while I get a compliment from somebody. And I always appreciate it. Of course, somebody told me years ago compliments are kind of like gum. They're nice to chew on, but just don't swallow it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, it's one thing when a person pays you a compliment. Because, you know, I've, I've found out there are some folks that will pay you a compliment and they don't really mean it. You know, they're just flattering you. They're just trying to build you up. And there are some folks that, that are paying you a compliment because they've got an ulterior motive. They're trying to buy you with their compliments. They're, you know, a compliment from an individual. And again, I'm not saying that we don't appreciate it. I think every human being appreciates being appreciated. And we appreciate compliments when they come. But it's one thing to be complimented by a man. It would be one thing for me to stand up here and say, Brother Chad, you've got great faith. But see, I don't really know the heart like God knows the heart. And God sees the things that I don't see. And even if I'm 100% sincere in saying you got great faith, it doesn't make it so. But when Jesus looks at somebody and he says to them, oh woman, your faith is great. Listen to me. He was not flattering her. He was not paying her vain compliments. Jesus said, I am the truth. Amen. The Bible said it's impossible for God to lie. He wasn't lying. He wasn't even exaggerating. When he said, you've got great faith, I'm here to tell you that woman had great faith she had great faith well praise God now I will tell you this too that this compliment in verse 28 was preceded by what he said in verse 26 read but he answered and said, he answered and it said, is not me to take the children's bread to take and cast it to dogs. Now, now, now look. Jesus looked at her. And, I mean, I don't know any other way to take it except that he referred to her as a dog. Now, you know, to us, that's, that's, that's pretty low. You call somebody a dog, that's but to the Jews, to, to the Middle Eastern, uh, even to this woman, that, that part of the world, there was no more uh, uh, offensive insult that you could make against somebody than to call them a dog. Most dogs at that time were not domesticated. 
They didn't, they didn't have little fluffy that come set in your lap and, and, and lick your face. Dogs were wild creatures that had no shame, no boundaries. They were in it for themselves. They didn't care about anybody. They didn't care about anything. Selfish creatures. Vile creatures. Mean creatures. And so when, when Jesus said to somebody that if I give you this, it'd be like giving the children's bread to a dog, he's really hitting pretty low. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus, as I said, does not lie. And Jesus does not just insult people. The fact is, she was in the spiritual sense of things, a dog. She was an outcast. She did not belong in the house with the children. Hallelujah. She was running wild. She had no master. She had no right to anything that Jesus had come to bring at that point. Now we all know that changed. But right then, right then, he had made it clear that I'm only here for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. My focus, my job right now is to reach the Jew. And you're not a Jew. And so you don't qualify. You talk about rejection. Now the disciples had, had turned her away. They didn't want anything to do with her. Jesus called her a dog. But it was because in the spiritual sense, that's really all she was. She was not worthy of the bread of life at that point. And so Jesus said something to her that was not, not an insult, but the fact. He called it as it was. Brother Mays, you said it last week. You talked about sometimes we've got to have an antagonist to really push us to the point where we get desperate for things. And I thought about it. I already prepared this message and I thought when you said it last week, I thought, yeah, that's exactly what Jesus was doing. He was serving as her antagonist. I want to see just really how desperate you are. I want to know how bad do you want this. If you don't get it the first time you come to me and you don't get it when you turn to my followers how hungry are you for what I have to offer oh hallelujah hallelujah you don't deserve it you're not worthy of it you know listen he just called it as it was and, and that's, that's why I say this snowflake society today people don't want to be told what they are 
They don't want somebody telling them. This is one of the things that I've gone over and over and over with those preachers in Africa. I said, you guys have spent your life telling people, just accept the Lord. Just accept the Lord. Just accept the Lord. You can't do that. They got to repent. But you know why you're not preaching repentance? You're not preaching repentance because you know that's offensive. In order for you to preach repentance, you got to tell them they're sinners. You got to tell them they're wrong. You got to call out what they're doing that God's not happy with. And that's going to offend some people. But I'm going to tell you something, my friend. If you're ever going to be saved, you're going to have to learn to face the truth, amen, of your own situation. Jesus picked up the prophet Ezekiel and carried him over to a valley that was filled with dry bones. And the Bible said, Ezekiel told it this way. This was his testimony. He said, he said, and the Lord caused me to pass around about, around about them. And, and, and what he was saying was, God really gave me absolute clear vision of what I was dealing with here. There's no question at this point what kind of congregation I got. That's right. I mean, he opened the preacher's eyes and let him see. He let him see. These are dry bones. And that's what he said. And lo, he said they were very dry. They'd been dead a long time. There wasn't a sign of life anywhere. I mean, they had been dead so long that all of the skin and the tissue and the muscle, everything had decomposed. There's nothing left but bones. And then the wind had come. As you read the story and the picture is painted, the wind had blown those bones out across that valley to where you got one man's arm over here and his leg over here. God let the preacher see exactly what it was. God didn't paint a pretty picture. God did not give Ezekiel a vision of what was going to happen in the end. God gave him a vision of what he was working with. And then God said, now, here's your first sermon at this new church where you've been elected. Now, God knew what was going to happen. God knew how it was all, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. You young whippersnappers don't know Paul Harvey, but, but uh, well, I've waited a long time to start using that word so frequently. Whippersnapper. Praise God. Listen, he, 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 God knew the rest of the story. God knew what was going to happen in the end of this story. And God asked Ezekiel a question, is there any hope? And Ezekiel said, Lord, you know, you know. In other words, he's admitting, honestly, when I look at it, it doesn't look that way. But I do know I'm talking to the God of heaven. So anything's possible, God. But, you know, I'm I'm, I'm trying to be a realist here. And I don't see much hope of building a church out of this. But you know, God. So God said, here's your first sermon at this church you are now the pastor of. And God said, this is the way I want you to open the sermon. This is, I didn't put this in the list, but if you want to go find it, it's Ezekiel 37, verse 4. God said, say unto them, O ye dry bones. 
hear the word of the Lord. He didn't say, oh, you great army. Even though that's what they were going to become. Even though that was God's plan for them. Even though that was God's purpose for them. God said, you tell it like it is. You call it as you see it. And I'm going to tell you, saints, until we are ready and willing to let a preacher call it like he sees it in our life and tell us. All right, I hit a stump right there, but I'm preaching to somebody right now. I'm going to tell you, we got to be willing if we're dry bones for the maze. We got to be willing for the preacher to point his finger at our face and say, you are dry bones. That antagonist has to be there. Something's got to happen. You start bragging on those bones, they'll grow overconfident and they'll be satisfied to just lay there in the valley dry and dead like they've always been. But let a preacher get under the inspiration and anointing of the Holy Ghost and let him start saying exactly what God sees. Amen. Something starts stirring. I don't want to stay this way. This is not the way I want to remain. Oh, hallelujah. I don't want to spend the rest of my life as a dry dead bone preach to me preacher preach to me preacher if I'm dry tell me I'm dry if I'm dead tell me I'm dead stir me up stir me up hallelujah tell it like it is be my adversary if that's what I need. I, I hadn't even thought about this, but I, I've told a few of you this story. Years ago, when I graduated from, from bridal co- Bible college, <laughs> uh, that's most, you know, we guys went there to get a THB, but the girls went there to get an MRS. Yeah, you catch that later on. Mrs. Uh, they were there to find a husband. That, that, and I, you know, I ran for a year, but my wife finally caught me. And, uh, I can say that because she's downstairs. Pray for me when she listens to the recording, though. But I, I was fresh out of Bible college with my Bachelor of Theology degree. All of this knowledge in my head. And the Lord sent me to Elder Wayne McLean's, a real prophet of God. And I was there at his house one day, Brother Self. I was sitting in his living room, and he looked at me and he said, Well, Brother Riggin, I'm supposed to go teach at the Bible school tomorrow. Now, remember, I'm fresh out of Bible college. I, I had just graduated a few months before. And, uh, and he said, I, I'm supposed to go teach at the Bible school tomorrow. He said, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to tell you what I feel like doing. He said, I feel like getting over there and dealing with prayer. He said, most of those guys couldn't pray their way out of a wet paper sack. Now, wait a minute. I'm only a few months removed. And I'm going to be honest with you, it didn't set well with me. 
But I got to thinking about it. And I thought, you know the reason it didn't set well? Because he's telling the truth. And so I got a choice. I can get mad and pout and sulk and let the whole world know I'm not happy with the preacher. Or I can go and find a place to pray and figure out how to get out of this wet paper sack. Look, I was raised in a praying church. I knew what prayer was all about. I'm just being honest with you. Four years of Bible school, they didn't talk to us about prayer. They didn't talk to us about the things of the Spirit. They taught us a lot about the Scripture, but never did they ever encourage us to develop a real relationship in prayer. And four years of just knowledge, 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 knowledge. And you just kind of get carnal with all that. And I'm telling you, the greatest thing that ever happened to me is when a man of God sat across from me and said, those college students couldn't pray their way out of a wet paper sack. And I let it eat on me long enough until I said, you know what? He's exactly right. And it's time I learn something. It's time I get back into the prayer room and get a hold of God. I know better than the way I've been living. I know better than to be doing the way I'm doing. I got to go find a place to get a hold of God again. Thank God he sent an adversary my way. Thank God somebody pointed at me and said, oh, you dry bones. I didn't intend to be this long. I hadn't got to my point yet. Well, not my main point yet. I've gotten to several points. Just, I just hadn't got to my main point yet. Hallelujah. Now, he said to this woman, he said, great is your faith. Now, I, I want to make something clear this morning. He said this to a woman who had told him, it's true, Lord, I'm a dog. And even the dogs desire the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And she was saying to him, Lord, I know I'm not one of the children that you came here to reach. I know I don't even belong in the house. I know I don't have a chair at the table. I know that. But I know this too. In every home, there are all those kids that they just think they've had enough to eat. And they say, I don't want any more of this. I've had enough. And so they look around and see if they can find a little fluffy. <laughs> and if they can scrape it off for fluffy before mom and daddy see it. See, I cleaned my plate. Now, that was back in the day, kids. That was back in the day when moms and dads actually made their kids clean their plate. Oh, you poor little thing, you don't like that? Well, I'll get you some ice cream. It didn't work that way when I was a kid. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what, if that had been what they offered, I'd have said, forget the meal. I'm not eating anymore. Just bring me ice cream, Mom. That's right. But I'm telling you that what this woman was saying was, I know I'm not worthy of the bread. That's reserved for somebody special. But I can tell you this. Dogs 
dogs still have a place. And there is something, those scraps that nobody else wants, if you're just going to throw them away, a dog deserves that just as much as anybody else. If you're just going to throw them into the trash heap, then look down here at this little dog and I'll take, amen, what's there. I'll take, amen, what I am entitled to. Listen to me, church. Amen. She uh, recognized she had no rightful access to the bread, but she knew she could lay claim to the crumbs. Amen. I wonder how many of us would have walked away from the crumbs and said, if I can't have the bread, I'm not interested. If you're not going to treat me like one of the children, then I don't even want to be here. If you're going to treat me like a dog, then you can forget about me. I'm not interested arrested. Amen. Count me out. I'm gone. Amen. But thank God there was a woman who said, Lord, whatever you got, you just find a place for me. I don't care. I'm not trying to take somebody else's. I just want to take whatever I'm entitled to. Now, now look, look, I want to make it clear this morning. Before I go any farther, had this been an Israelite that had come wanting the crumbs, I don't believe he would have said you have great faith because they deserved more than the crumbs. He came to bring them the bread. He prepared the meal for them. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, great faith is not a crumb mentality unless that's all you're entitled to. But when you're entitled to more than that, you should not be content to spend the rest of your life just eating a few crumbs. This is where I want to preach to this church today. This is what I want to talk to us about. Amen. I'm here to tell you, saints of God, we are more than just dogs. We're not outcasts. God chose you. He picked you. He brought you into his house. You're not here because you, amen, made up your mind to come. You're here because the Spirit drew you. He saw something in you. He saw something of value. He saw something of worth. You're not a dog. But Brother Mays, I, in my years of pastoring and my years of traveling, I'm telling you, there's a huge majority of the one God apostolic church that's happy to just have a few crummy services. They're happy to just have a few crummy worship times. That's all they want. Let me feel a few goosebumps. Let me feel good about the fact that I went to church today. I can, I can ease my conscience. I was there. Everybody knows. I showed my face. I'm here to preach. Amen to the true church today. It's time to get your eyes off of the crumbs and understand God has got so much more for this church. Oh, Galatians 4 verse 7. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. This is why I'm telling you, amen, he wasn't, he was not saying you got great faith because you'll accept a few crumbs. Amen. I'm telling you, he called us sons. This is why when the prodigal came home and he said, Lord, I'm willing to just be a servant. Father, just put me into your employment. He said, no, 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 no. Somebody bring me a better robe. Let's get this man a banquet. This is not a servant. This is a son. Oh God, help me today to deliver the burden of my heart. There is so much more in the spirit that God wants to do in this assembly that we haven't seen yet. There is so much more that God wants to show us. Don't get content with crumbs. Oh. Romans chapter 8 verses 16. The spirit, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit yeah. that we are the children we of are. God. We're not dogs. We're the children of God. Read. And if, children and if we are heirs. his children, that means we are heirs. Heirs of God. Heirs of God. And you know what that means? Wait a minute, Christ. wait a minute. You know what that means? Hey Amen. That means everything that God owns, it's already been signed over to us. We've been put in his will. We are heirs of God. I'm telling you, everything that the master owns, it's coming our way. It's available to us. You don't believe it? Now let's read on. We're not only heirs of God. And joint heirs with Christ. We are joint heirs. And that word in the original means we are joint participants. We're joint participants with Christ. That's why Jesus said, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also and greater things than these shall you do because I'm going to the Father. I'm going to tell you saints of God it's time for us to start going back through the gospels and back through the book of Acts and saying hey wait a minute Lord that's mine that belongs to us that's part of the bread that you put on our plate. There is no reason amen for somebody else to get it. It's ours Oh, I've lost some of you this morning. Amen. Unfortunately, some are happy to just eat a few crumbs. Just tickle my conscience, preacher. Just let me feel good. Let me go on about my way. Let me have lunch today and say I'm glad I went to church. But I want to stir something up in the hearts of this people that says I'll not be satisfied with just a few crumbs. There are other things. Amen. There's a depth of the spirit. There are miracles God wants to perform. There are gifts of the Spirit God wants to impart. I can't be satisfied with just a few crumbs. Hallelujah. Go with me. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. Go with me. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Story I mentioned earlier. We're going to talk about it for a few minutes here today. Hallelujah. Matthew 14, verse 21. Listen to this. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. Yeah. Now, we often talk about the miracle of feeding the 5,000. 
But you do understand that's 5,000 men. And Matthew said, we are specifically not counting women and children that are also in this crowd. Can I tell you that it is extremely possible, if not very likely, that there were 10 to 15,000 people. In the crowd that day. Now that's a great multitude. 10 to 15,000. That's a big crowd. And this great multitude. Had a great hunger. Let's see what Luke has to say about this story. Luke 9 verses 12 to 13. And when the day began to wear away. Then came the twelve and said unto him. Send the multitude away. That they may go into the towns and country round about, and lodge, and get victuals. For, they, for we are here in a desert place. No, no. No, wait. The day began to wear away. See, this is why I tell you. You folks, you folks are giving me a hard time about being long-winded. I mean, you know, ever since I came to God, I've been singing, To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. He taught all day long and didn't even take a lunch break. Boy, do you notice how quiet it got just then? All right, all right, all right. Let's move on. We've got to move on. I'm going to lose my whole crowd right here. Great. But he said unto them, give ye them to eat. All right, so I've been preaching all day. I guess it'd be good if we gave them something. They're no doubt hungry. They've been here all day. Now, look, I've been out in that sun in Israel. I'm going to tell you something. You don't spend too many days in Israel walking around there that you don't start wondering. We were, you know, they took us to go see Herod's palace. And man, it's up on top of a mountain, huge thing. And uh, they drove us as far as the bus could take us, but then there was a long distance there that we had to walk the rest of the way. And that hot sun, man, I got about halfway up there and I said, you'd think with all the money Herod had, he could have at least built an elevator. (laughs) Hallelujah. They didn't always appreciate my humor in Israel, but... All right, so give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more but five loaves and two fishes. We've only got five loaves and two fishes. Except we should go and buy meat for all this people. Now, Now, listen, they've been sitting there in the hot sun all day long. And Jesus said, feed them. And the disciples are trying to make... Excuses why they can't. Lord, we don't have enough here to feed them. But you see, Jesus, Jesus made a promise. He made a promise when he was teaching on what is now called the Mount of Beatitudes. He said something about when people get hungry, what he would do 
Matthew 5 and 6, here's what he said. Blessed are they, Blessed are they which, which do hunger and hunger thirst, thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. For I'll give them a little snack. They're hungry and thirsty for the things that God, I'll see if I can find a few crumbs laying around. That's not what he said, is it? He said, if they're hungry for the things of God, I'm not going to stop with just giving them enough to ease the hunger pain. If they're hungry for the things of God, I want to see to it that they are filled. Now think about this, church. Amen. Think about this. If there were 15,000 people there, He's got five loaves and two fish to divide. Uh, now, let's throw this one in there too while we're there. John 6 and 9. Read that for me. There was a lad here which hath five barley He's got loaves. five barley loaves. And, and then listen to this. And two and small two, fishes. And two small, small fishes. So he's got five. Bar- now, these weren't Wonder Bread. These are five, those of you that are here the night I preached about the purpose of Pentecost, those little round loaves that I had, that's, that's what they use. And so we got, we have got just five of these. And we got two small fish. And we got to feed 15,000 people. Good thing you showed up today. I need a mathematician. Except I don't think you got enough fingers and toes. I think if you added your teeth and your hair, we wouldn't get there. 15,000 people. Five loaves. That's one loaf for every 3,000 And one small fish for every 7,500 people. Now, if we're going to just take this and do it the way man does it, all they're going to get is crumbs. In fact, they're probably going to be doing good to get a scale off of that fish. Well, but notice what happened in Luke 9 and 17. Read. And they did eat. They did eat. And were all filled. And were all, what? Filled. They were all. Filled. Filled. Well, hallelujah. And. And there was taken up the fragments fragments that remained. remained. To them 12 12 baskets. Baskets. Amen. Listen to me. The greatest miracle was not just that they were fed. The greatest miracle is that they were filled. Hallelujah. In fact, let's read another verse. John 6 and 11. Listen to this. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes. And likewise of the fishes. Listen. As, as much, much as they would. As they 
would. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Now, 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 now look. If you're going to bring, if you're going to bring me the bread and the fish for me to make a fish sandwich. And I got Brother Kaiser right here with me. And, and they're going to say, now, take as much as what you want. I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't think he's going to want as much as I am. That's what? That's debatable. Oh, that's debatable. Well, maybe you're the wrong guy to have up here. <laughs> My point is this. Not everybody's the same size. Not everybody's got the same, the same appetite. But I'm telling you, Jesus said, I'm giving you the choice. How much you get depends on how much you want. You take as much as you want to take. All right, Lord, I'll take 10 loaves. All right? If that's what you want, that's what I'll give you. I'll take seven fish. Wait, we only got two. No, 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 not anymore. They want seven, they get seven. I don't care. Whatever they want, I'm going to give them as much. Listen to me, church. There's a principle here. We are getting what we want out of God. We're seeing what we really want out of God. But I would that somebody would get a hunger today that says this is not enough. I'm thankful for what we've felt. I'm thankful for what we've seen. But this is not enough. I want more, Jesus. I want more, Jesus. I want more, Jesus. The Lord made provision. In fact, he made abundant provision for each and every person there. But it was entirely up to the individual as to how much they got. So I'm going to tell you, it was possible, Brother Goff, that some of those folks still went home hungry. Wasn't Jesus' fault Hello? Wasn't the Lord's fault. But you know, there's probably some of them. We were in a restaurant. I got to hurry up. We were, we were in a restaurant many, many years ago. We laughed. We tried not to laugh too much out loud while they were sitting right at the table across from us. But boy, when we got in the car, my wife and I, we've laughed. In fact, to this day, we still, you know how there's just some incidents that you just, all you got to do is tell one little line of what happened. Everybody knows. And we're sitting there, and it was one of these buffets. Uh, but, but it wasn't quite like, not like a Golden Corral style buffet where you pay one price and you can have what you want. This was one like uh, that cafeteria they used to have, Luby's or whatever. You ever see those where you, you, know, you can go through the line, you can have what you want, but you got to pay for every item you pick up. So, so we had gotten our food and we had our kids there. This was years ago and our kids sitting around the table. The table right next to us was a mom and dad, a boy and a girl. And... Uh, they sitting close enough I couldn't. I wasn't eavesdropping. You couldn't help but hear. And I, I saw a little girl pick up the receipt. And she's looking at that receipt. And she's adding things up. And then she makes an announcement for the whole restaurant to hear. Well, mom is the pig of the day. And that little girl's backside was probably baking by the time they got through. To uh, we, we, we've laughed. 
about that ever since. Well, I, don't, I don't want to be the pig of the day, you know. I got a feeling that was kind of a ritual for the family. It was just something that they'd done, you know, trying to keep each other in check. We don't spend too much, you know. Who's going to spend the most at a place like this? We want to keep it in line here. So they kind of had this little family shame thing going on. That, you know, if you, if you get more than anybody else, you're the pig of the day. Well, there's probably some folks sitting in that crowd that day when they're handing out the loaves and fishes. Somebody said, oh, just go on. I don't want to be the pig of the day. And somebody else might still need some. I'll just, you know, I'll just get a little nibble here. And I'm, I'm fine with just a little bit. Just give me just a bite and, and I'll be okay until tomorrow. There are probably some of them, you know, that, that, uh, that, that were too proud. They said, I don't take handouts. I, I'm not a welfare recipient. I, nobody's going to give me. I, I'll earn what I want. I'm telling you, there was probably all kinds of, of excuses going on that day. Amen. Some may have said, oh, you know, I had a big breakfast this morning. I'm, I'm already full. I don't, I, don't, I don't need anything today. I, I don't know what they were saying. Amen. There was probably a few that settled for just a few crumbs but I believe that there were some that were there that said as much as I want are you kidding me I've been here all day long I've been waiting for this as much as I want pass it over here Jesus if she's worried about being a pig just listen to me oink I'll take what she doesn't want I'll take whatever you're handing out right now oh God give us people that'll get an attitude in the spirit oh I want whatever you've got Jesus I'm not satisfied to just be a number on the pew somewhere I want an experience with God well I gotta hurry oh Lord I didn't know I gotta hurry I gotta hurry how much of this can I skip now you know, I, I say that, I say that there were those, I, I just believe that there were those that just refused to eat that day. And I say that because I don't believe God is wasteful. I don't believe that he created too much. I don't think he overshot the crowd. I think he knew exactly what each one needed but not everybody took what they needed. And so what did they do? Let's skip down John 6 and 13. Read. Therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets. 12 baskets. With the fragments, with the fragments of five barley of loaves. Barley loaves which remained over and remained above unto over them and that above had eaten. Them that had eaten. I'm telling you, in spite of unlimited access, there were still 12 baskets filled with leftovers. Well, hallelujah. As I said, I don't think he created too much. I think some just didn't want to eat everything God was offering. I've seen it too many times in a service. I've watched people walk out of a red hot Holy Ghost service saying, well, I didn't get anything from God today. Well, honey, it's not God's fault. And it's not the preacher's fault. And it's not the singer's fault. I'm telling you, every time we come into the house of God, he's passing out baskets full and it's as much as you want as much as you want as much as you want I don't see him going through the crowd asking for credentials I don't see him asking well are you worthy do you deserve this what have you done for my kingdom 
No. He just said, here it is. You want it? You want it? It's yours. I've told stories to this church even recently. Told you about a sinner man that walked in to a red hot Holy Ghost service. Amen. In Colorado Springs, in fact. Uh, amen. Sinner man years ago, one leg shorter than the other. Amen. And there were saints of God there in need of healing that walked out without their healing that day. But that sinner man walked to the front and God caused one leg to grow to the length of the other for a sinner man who didn't live for God, never did live for God to my knowledge, never got in church because I met him several years later and he'd just gotten out of prison. I'm here to tell you, God, when he starts handing out, uh, amen, what he's got to offer, he doesn't care who eats. Uh, he's just looking for somebody that's hungry. He just wants somebody that's hungry. I'm preaching to some of you right now. It's time to shake yourself. Uh, I'm sick and tired of just sitting here and going home every service uh, thinking, oh, there's got to be more. There's got to, yeah, there is, but you passed it by all right I gotta I gotta I gotta I gotta somehow bring this down I gotta land this plane somewhere because my time is almost up saints we can look back really really from the time that the lockdown started the very first service, Brother Goff, I didn't know what it was going to be like. I talked to some, expressing my concerns. What's it going to be like to try to have church and stand behind a pulpit and preach to a bunch of empty pews? What's it going to be like for our praise singers to be trying to sing and ain't a person out there to raise their hands. But I'm telling you, from the very first service, God was in this place. His presence was in this house in such a marvelous way. I still am amazed when I think about the move of God we had service after service and nobody on those pews nobody sitting out there just us but yet the Holy Ghost met with us and then the reports that would come back from those that were listening online oh I felt the Holy Ghost in my living room I felt God touch me while I was sitting there at home the spirit of God moved in among my family oh what an altered time we had when you got through preaching today I heard the reports listen church you know what God's been doing he's just been handing it out he's been handing it out this is what I want to give you true church this is what I'm trying to give you right now and then and then we come back we finally get the all clear and we come back to church and what has God done amen one Sunday a little girl gets the Holy Ghost one Sunday an elderly man gets the Holy Ghost one Sunday amen a Mormon gets the Holy Ghost I'm telling you service after service after service God has been handing it out he's handing it out and in the midst of that there's still folks just sitting around saying, man, I'm hungry. Why? 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 Did you not see the basket pass by here? Did you not?
not smell the fish? Didn't you get a whiff of that fresh baked bread? Why are you still hungry, saints of God? I'm telling you, God has been given us, amen, an abundant supply. The word of God has been rich. The spirit of God has been powerful. But I'm going to tell you, here's what's got to happen. Amen, Brother Jerry, here's what's got to happen. Amen, if there's still a few that they just don't want to eat, you know what's got to happen? Let's go and let's find some sinners out there. I got a basket full of fragments. I want to feed somebody. There's somebody out there, Brother Mays, that's hungry. There's somebody that wants what we're passing up. I got to close. I got to close. I got to close. Hallelujah. Amen. Luke chapter 14. Read for me. Verses 16 to 23. I'm trying. I promise you. I'm trying to hurry. Luke 14 verses 16 to 23. Read. Then he said unto him, a certain man made a great supper and bade many. Yeah. And, yeah. And now, I'm going to fix service. a banquet meal. I'm getting ready to throw one more party. It's going to be big. It's going to be great. It's going to be grand. It's going to be glorious. Read. And sent his servant at supper time to say them that were bidden, come for all things are now ready. It's time to eat. And they all with one consent began to make excuses. They started making excuses. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I got other things to do. I pray thee have me excused. Uh Uh-huh. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, yeah. and I go to prove them, yeah. and I pray thee yeah. have me excused. Oh, I got work to do. I got, I, I got I, my job's really weighing on me, and I, I, I got to take care of it. I, I, I can't focus on the service right now. I, I can't get my mind on what's going on here. I got too many pressures on the job. Read. And another said, I have married a wife, yeah. and therefore I cannot come. Yeah, my heart is somewhere else right now. Read. So, so that servant came and showed his Lord. So he came things. back, and this is what he said. Then the master of the house, the master, being angry, he was angry. Said to his and he servant, "And I tell you what, read. Go out quickly. We're not going to let all this go to waste. And the lanes of the city. Go out into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in, and bring the, poor, in the poor and the maimed and the, maimed, and the halt and the, halt, and the blind." And the servant said, and Lord, the servant said, I did that. Amen. And, and yet, yet there is room. there's still room. And the Lord so said, he said the servant, yeah. go into the go highways, into and, the the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. To come in because I want my house. Be I have prepared too much for us to let this food go to waste. I've prepared too much to let any of this spoil. Go find somebody. Go find somebody. Go find somebody. Bring them in. There's plenty here. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, I'm telling you, there's enough glory in this house. We can every one of us go home filled. There's still going to be baskets filled with fragments. There's a city outside these walls. They're hungry. They're looking. They're searching. Let's go take them. What we've been throwing away. Let's stand, let's stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's all right 
for the Syrophoenician to be satisfied with crumbs. But it's not all right for the children. And your children and your heirs. And there is so much more that God wants to do for us. So much more that God wants to show us. Church, I've seen it. I've tasted it. I was raised in it. I know what it's like to have somebody receiving the Holy Ghost every service. I know what it's like for the blinded eyes to be opened. Amen. For cancers to come off. For the dead to be raised. I've seen it. I've been there. I know. I'm thankful for what we're feeling. I'm thankful for what God's doing. But this is not enough. This is just crumbs compared to what God wants to do for this church. But we got to get hungry enough. He'll give you as much as you want today. He'll give you as much as you want today. Why? Why would a child of God be satisfied to straddle the fence? Just talk in tongues once every six months or a year. Play around. One foot in the church and one foot in the world. Sit on your phone during preaching and do other things. Why? 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 When there's miracle bread being passed out in the house. These two small fishes fed 15,000. I'm telling you, two small fishes. From what I've read, the kind of fish they were talking about, basically they're, 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 they're pretty much minnows. I mean, they're tiny. Now you can go over to Africa and you find they, they dry these things. And, and I mean, they're, they're, they're honestly about, about the length of my finger. And they dry them. And you buy a whole bag just sitting on the shelf, unrefrigerated, the little eyeballs looking up at you. You put two of those between a couple slices of bread, you still don't have anything. But when Jesus got through, it didn't matter how small those fishes were. It didn't matter how many loaves they had because He can multiply it. If you're hungry, you don't have to leave the way you came. And if you're full, what you need to do today is pick up a basket of fragments and go find somebody else. Brother Mays said it yesterday at the picnic. I first time I ever heard it said it was an elder. He was probably in his 70s. Tired preacher. I, I pastored on the Gulf Coast of Texas at the time, and a lot of good fishing down there. And this man was a fisherman, you see. He, so he he liked to come down to my place. He liked to fish. We had taken him to eat a meal, and we got through eating. And he looked over at me, and he said, "He had this real strong country 
not just accent, twang. He said, well, brother, I feel that hog spirit coming on. I said, what's a hog spirit? He said, you eat till you're full, and then you go crawl up in the rack and go to sleep. You know what? That's what too many saints have gotten. That's what we're doing. We're getting enough to eat that our belly's full. And then we're just going to go home and sleep. And there's a world out there that would love to have just one bite. Saints, I know i got to let you go, but I, I've got such a burden on my heart today. We don't realize how good we've got it. I've traveled enough to know you don't feel what you feel here in every other church. Not even every other Jesus name church. And I'm not throwing stones and I'm not saying we're better than anybody. I'm just telling you, you just don't feel this everywhere. There is so much more that God wants to give us and some of us are so satisfied with just a nibble here and there. It's enough to get us by till next week. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live that way. I'm telling you, when I read through the book of Acts and I read about chief priest being converted I'm saying God I want some of that put some of that on my plate would you I read about they laying the sick out in the street just in hopes that the shadow of Peter might pass over them God you can put some of that on my plate I, I'll take some of that Dorcas great helper to the church now she's dead they're all weeping and crying oh just give me a minute here all of a sudden she's got her eyes open she's serving God again serving the people again hey God God I, you put that right here on my plate I, I'll take that I'm a hungry saints of God. I'm a hungry for more than what we've got. And if there's some way I can stir you up today and get you to shake off the complacency to where you're no longer content with just a few crumbs, then I will have done what God sent me to this pulpit to do today. I want us to take a few moments. I know we're past time, but this is far too important for us just to run away right now. We can't just shrug this off. We can't just push this aside. God's calling us to a deeper place right now. God's asking you, why don't you find something more than what you've got? Why don't you experience something deeper than what you have? Come on, saints. Come on, saints. Is anybody hungry today? 
Is anybody hungry today? God, give us more, God. I want more of you. I want more of you, Jesus. I'm thankful. I'm appreciative, but I want more. I'm not content with the crumbs when I know there are loaves out there that were meant for me. You cooked them just for me. Let's pray, let's pray, let's pray.